Big Fluff. Such nice eyes. Yellow as piss. My favorite color. I want one to replace what you took from me. That's not gonna happen, sister. Your time is running out, demon. Once Nimue's resurrection is complete, her plague will strip the flesh from bodies. All right, fine. Take it. Just tell me where to find Nimue first. This is a sacred bargain. Once made, it cannot be broken. What do you want in writing? No need. Let's seal it with a kiss. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and look for a silver lining. And uh, this this week we've got a fairly daunting task, uh, a hell of a task you might say. Yeah, uh, yeah, boy. <laughs> oh hell boy, this is going to be something of a... A thing, yeah. We're talking about the the most recent 2019 Hellboy movie, yeah, starring David Harbor. Because if it was a podcast where we watched beloved movies that are great, we'd probably be watching uh, the first Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movie or Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, which are both delights. So good, yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Uh, this one, <laughs> less so. Yeah. So I. I was curious about this. I, I will own the fact that I made you watch this movie because I, I want to see it. Uh, because I, I had suggested it because when we were talking about superhero movies, I did throw it out there onto the table. But it was there was other I won't give away the other uh, possible movie that was thrown around because it might end up being done someday soon. Avengers Endgame. Yeah, as Avengers Endgame, just, God, that terrible Everyone movie. Everyone hates that movie. Everyone and hates it. You're going to try to find something good about it, though. And I, I don't even know if that's possible, but instead we talked about Hellboy. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, where to begin with Hellboy? Uh, maybe the first question to ask is why, why did they make this? Uh, especially because Ron Perlman wanted to make a Hellboy three with Guillermo del Toro and Guillermo del Toro, by all accounts, wanted to make a Hellboy three. Um, and they could have done that. They could have. They would have been entirely within their rights <laughs> to make a third Hellboy movie. Yeah. Uh, but instead, they didn't. So they didn't. So they went back to the drawing board. And, I, you know, I... Okay. Let's, let's try to unpack. So we get kind of an origin story... Uh, ish? Ish. It's... Uh, they're definitely... I know that, like, their goal was to have it be more true to the comics. Uh, so they tried to get more things that they thought fans of the comics would want to see. Uh, some, like me, might argue that they jammed a lot of that into the movie. <laughs> uh, uh, or shoehorned. Or shoehorned, not particularly artfully, uh, which was to the detriment of the overall film. Yeah, I mean, I think... In a general sense, if I felt like this the movie was just all over the place, like 
for a story that wasn't that complex, uh, the story being that the Blood Queen was going to come back and end the world, and Hellboy is the only one that can stop her. Taylor's oldest. You know, time. the same plot of all the Hellboy movies yeah. and most superhero movies in general. Yeah, essentially, there's an evil threat because it's Hellboy. The difference is he's concerned that being too powerful will cause him to, you know, basically uh, bring about the apocalypse. And because he is a demon from hell, he's uh, always very concerned about being too demon from hell-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's concerned about his his demonic nature overtaking because... Uh, as the the prophecy says, he will bring about the end of the world. Yeah, and he so he's so if you don't know Hellboy, he's a demon. He's red. He has big giant horns that he shaves down uh, because he doesn't want them to be prominent. You know, to look more normal. To look more because you shave those horns down. And he looks like a regular dude. He looks I mean, totally. He yeah, you would never know that he was a demon. So you know, not the red skin or the giant stone hand. Or the tail. Yeah. The no. cloven hooves. Any of it. Yeah, the fact that he's always fighting demons. Yeah, he just uh, can casually go anywhere that he wants. <laughs> so, I'm going to be honest. Like This movie started, and I texted you too early, full disclosure. Because I watched the opening of this movie. And I got to be honest. The, it's great. The opening's great. You got, first of all... I get in this podcast right now because a silver lining of everything the man has ever been involved in is Ian McShane. So, boom. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Ian, Ian McShane is is great. Yeah. So, you open with Ian McShane narrating what's happening. Yeah. I'm listening. Like, 100%. This is what I want from a movie. Uh, and then it's cool visually. You know, it's a, it's a queen and she's fighting king arthur and being all chopped up and it's you know it's edited and the queen's well. mila jovovich who's delightful also delightful no, boom two silver linings we're still in the part where we're negative look at that like that's just nothing that's but how, th you know let's just c cut our losses we'll <laughs> see you next week when we talk about yeah manos the hands of fate <laughs> but yeah you put ian mcshane and mila jovovich in a movie and i'm happy like so it's and yeah i mean they're they're both they're great they're just wonderful. They and they both did what was asked of them, and I, I enjoyed every choice they made acting wise. Uh, and that opening promised me a movie that I was like, you know what? Maybe this Hellboy movie is going to be all right. Like I'm, I'm buying what you're selling. And then Hellboy showed up. <laughs> I would even make the argument that the very first Hellboy scene had the whole movie sort of maintained that tone. Yeah, it's the wrestling scene. Yes, I liked. Um, I liked the choice to make it pro wrestling. That was cool uh, to do like a lucha libre thing. It was a um, fun battle. Yeah, and I like the rest of the movie was just nowhere near as fun as the first. I don't know, fifteen minutes, ten minutes, whatever it was. Yep. So when I texted you during that first fifteen minutes and was like, "I'm I'm enjoying this. Let's do this movie." Uh, yeah, that was, I probably sent that too soon. That's the lesson I learned. It's maybe wait. <laughs> Don't tell your friends to watch Hellboy until you've finished watching Hellboy. Yeah. Make sure that you know what you're telling them to watch. Uh, um, yeah, it's, um, I would almost include the opening 
10 minutes as one of the silver linings of the movie. Oh, for sure. But man, does it, man, does it go downhill. But I will say the reason that I said when Hellboy first shows up, because I still like his opening scene, but immediately one of the biggest problems with me in this movie is he looks terrible. Like terrible, like shockingly bad makeup applied. Like, to- dare I say, Times Square stuffed figure Hellboy? Yeah, level bad, but almost verging on like they didn't have the rights to Hellboy, so he's like you know Hades demon, you know yeah Hades kid, yeah heck uh, dude, yeah he has a little bit of that vibe, uh, which is so. This was the the mystery to me that I could not unravel because you and I like messaged each other back and forth. There's no reason the the amount of talent involved in creating David Harbour's Hellboy makeup is it's a good pedigree of you know yeah it's it's the continuers of Stan Winston's Creature Shop and some of the some of the best Hollywood creature work like period like he's. You know, the he, Stan Winston was the guy that, like, he was the go-to person in the seventies, eighties, and nineties uh, to create a lot of monster stuff and just inspiration to a lot of people that work in the effects world, the makeup world today. But he just like it, it's so it's so bad. Yeah, and I here was so I found this quote. Uh, Joel Harlow was the guy who did a lot of the the looks and the makeup, and he. Was talking about the previous Hellboys, which, by the way, the previous movies done by Guillermo del Toro, you know, like overseen by him, directed by him. Uh, they have some of the best special effects. Made. That's Guillermo del Toro's thing. Like, watch Pan's Labyrinth, watch the Hellboy movies. Like, dude knows how to put people in prosthetics and make them look creepy and amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of that in the Hellboy movies, there was minimal cgi characters yeah and it's it works really beautifully so this guy joel harlow uh making joel's look bad by the way uh he was quoted as saying it's a tough act to follow for sure we all made a conscious decision not to reference any of the live action versions that came before we focused on the artwork and the comics so i think that was the first red flag of like They first of all, Ron Perlman. Also, if you're not familiar with Ron Perlman's career, uh, it's basically mostly him either being a a, a, you know white supremacist biker or him in prosthetics of some kind. He did Beauty and the Beast. He he was Hellboy. He's like that's his jam. Dude knows how to wear prosthetic makeup. Knows how to act in it. They nailed it so perfectly, and I feel like this movie got it in their head. To not like because you were going to it's a different movie. You should have just let it like trust everything else. You should have done exactly what they did for Ron Perlman for David Harbour. Like I get if you want to make it look different to put your own stamp on it. And there are probably ways you could do that. Give him a hat. But it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's Hellboy now with a hat. Yeah, but his mouth doesn't move. His face overall does not have mobility to it now and and david harbour who i think i really like him as an actor i think he's great in stranger things he's good casting Um, for this part you know um but he's like he's not the most expressive actor in the world no like that's not his thing 
Well, and again, I think and, that's the, that's the difference. Like Ron Perlman knows how to act with all this stuff on. He maybe could have made this makeup work. Maybe, maybe. Um, but, but yeah, he. You know, and I think ultimately, like his performance in and of itself is fine. Um, and the weird thing is, they said they were going to go back to the comics, but. Uh, I was never a huge Hellboy fan. Like when the movies came out and I really dug them, I like looked at a few, con- looked at a few of the issues and stuff. Uh, the art in Hellboy is really stylized. Yeah. It's like, you can't replicate it in a live action movie. <laughs> you know, it's like intentionally inconsistent line work. It's not meant to look real, I guess. Like it's not meant it's, it's, it's a comic, like it's a cartoon. Yeah, it would be like it's, if someone drawn in that style. It would be like if someone was making, you know, the the Robert Pattinson Batman movie, and they were like, you know, we really wanted it to look like Batman the animated series. Like, well, you can't do that. That's not like there's nothing. Yeah, it's not. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah. But like the way you do that is like use the dark color palettes, use you know the the decor and the general like modern slash retro design aesthetic and things like that is how you do it. But yeah, he just, he looks, he really looks like a character at the Hellboy theme park is really what he looks like the whole time. Someone that has to put this make the basically has to put like this red face paint on every day. So it goes on in five minutes and like it, it's, it's not good. It's really bad. Well, that was another weird thing, too, where they boasted that it only took them two hours to apply this makeup. <laughs> and I was like, I maybe spend more time. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe. they were very proud of that. <laughs> that were like, we had it on in two hours. Yeah, it looks like it. Whereas, like, Dave Batista in uh, the Avengers movies... I think they got his time down to under two hours, putting his like prosthetics and everything on too. But that's also that looks great. But that was they didn't start at that point. I don't think. Right. You know you no they you they, get that good. It was the fourth movie that he'd appeared in doing this. <laughs> yeah, like at some point everybody gets better at it, but you don't start at two hours. Like no. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I just think like it takes me two hours to look as pretty as I do every day, and yeah, know, and it's, that's just me. Yeah, and and you have flawless skin, so it's just flawless. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, think about that. It's mostly um, contouring. Andy does a lot of contouring, a lot of it, it, but you wouldn't know it unless I told you. So my I, secret's out, folks. <laughs> um, to back to the movie. Uh, yeah, the plot is sort of like Neil Marshall's the director who has a decent horror pedigree with The Descent. Is his like other big credit and a few other sort of those like mid budget horror movies, which are the only mid budget movies that still get made. Also directed the Blackwater episode of Game of Thrones, which is Great generally considered. Yeah, I was going to say generally considered to be one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the best early season episodes. For yeah. Sure. Um, and yeah, and the movie just sort of meanders through a bunch of various set pieces uh, there's this secret society that maybe Ian McShane's Professor Broom is a member of, and then they turn on Hellboy, but then they get killed by giants, and then yeah, Hellboy which, beats the giants. Which is already, like, that, man, the amount of logic that, like, they tell Hellboy 
that they're going to go hunt giants and uh, that they need his help. But it's a setup to because they just want to turn on Hellboy. But there actually are giants was I, that was the first time in the movie that I went, wait, what? Like, why would you take him to where there really are giants? <laughs> To like, if that was your plan was to ambush him, take him anywhere else where there are no giants or just lie that there are giants. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, just smash the ground down and be like, yeah, obviously a giant did that. So go look at it with your back to us. Instead, they're like, oh, perfect. There's a bunch of giants on the loose. Now we can kill Hellboy. You know what you want in your plan to take out a highly trained, uh, you know, warrior is you definitely want a wild card that you have zero control over. That's the key of any good plan is, is a wild card, <laughs> but that, like a, a big one, a, like that a is huge one, a with, huge yeah. wrench in the works. <laughs> yeah. Cause it wasn't just, what was it? Three giants? Like three giants. Yeah, not just one giant, which would be enough of a wild card, but there are legit three of them. I also want to quibble with uh, your elite warrior comment about Hellboy is that, man, he was inconsistent with his abilities throughout this movie. No, that's very fair. And I don't mean like I don't mean like powers or anything like whether he was good at what he did was wildly inconsistent. Yeah, like he would get his ass kicked until he didn't. Yeah, like it. They couldn't really figure out. Yeah, I'm with you. They they didn't know the balance of how good he was at being. Any, any. And like they want him to be a younger Hellboy than Ron Perlman's Hellboy, like still newer at it. But which makes no know. sense because the timeline is the same. <laughs> like, yeah, he's actually been Hellboy longer than Ron Perlman's Hellboy. If you assume this movie is set in the present day, he's yeah, yeah. which it is because he has an iPhone. Right. Oh, that's right. Oh, God. Because that, that is a that's a runner joke in the movie is that he keeps breaking he his life. It yeah. won't respond to his fingerprint, so he always breaks the screen. Yeah. Which I think he always uses his giant fist and never the smaller fist. Yeah. God, that giant fist looked bad, too. It did, No, it all looked bad. E like, even the makeup in general didn't look good in, you know, I mean, granted, I have a 4K TV, but like you knew that that's what you're shooting in. I didn't think any of it looked particularly good. Like it didn't look real. It looked like he was wearing makeup. It looked like he was wearing a foam rubber hand. That like he was like, it looked like the, because if you've seen the other Hellboy movies, you know what we're talking about. Um, the His right hand of doom is sort of this gauntlet looking thing with this weird stone hand coming out. Yeah. Um, in the Ron Perlman one, it looked like that gauntlet was basically his forearm and then the hand was where his hand was. Yeah. In this, it looked like he was just like had his hand right inside of the end of the gauntlet holding it. So it was like freakishly larger that longer than his other arm. Like yeah, it, it unsettlingly looked, so. It looked like someone wearing a foam finger at a sporting event. It Yeah, it really did. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't think is what they were going for. If it was, they nailed it, though. <laughs> I mean... Like if that's if that is what you're going for, uh, you know, I I think maybe too we should you know there's so I I'm as scattered as this movie is about where we should go direction wise and talking about it, but I don't want to lose because one thing I do enjoy on the show is pulling back the curtain and looking at some of these behind the scenes stories. Apparently, I don't know if you did any digging, but like I did a little, like apparently the, this set was not a great one either. Uh, hmm. So. Uh, Neil Marshall, as you mentioned, uh, 
he apparently did not get along with Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin, who were the producers, uh, including the fact that uh, by some accounts, as a petty move to show Neil Marshall that he was not in control of this and they were, they fired his cinematographer, uh, Sam McCurdy, who he worked. That, that's like his go to cinematographer when he did the Blackwater episode, when he does movies. That's his guy. They fired him just to be like, yeah, we can fire your your guy. And uh, so uh, there's also reports. And, and to be clear, like these producers, like they're the producers of the previous Hellboy movies. They're the producers of Boogie Nights. Uh, and they also worked on the latest Watchmen adaptation. So these are everyone's, again, pedigree involved in this film. But apparently they just didn't get along with Neil Marshall. There were some reports that I read that basically uh, they would try to, uh, like, talk to actors separate. Like, he would basically coach actors and have conversations. And then when Neil Marshall walked away, they'd come up to the actor and tell them something different. That's good for a movie set. It works beautifully. Like, uh, really, when when you're making a product that has as many moving parts as, especially, a big like sci-fi action movie. Yeah, you really want everybody to be working on a different page. You Again, really don't want that synergy. Well, as we said, wild cards are great in any plan. So you want a set where nobody knows who's in control, where everybody's yeah, kind of on definitely. edge and doesn't really know who to defer to and who has more power definitely going to be great on screen oh yeah that's yeah it really shows the best movies have sets that don't work yeah i i also read that apparently uh david harbour reportedly walked off the set uh at various times because he just didn't want to do any more takes like he was just done (laughs) uh yeah and uh got it it's done (laughs) it took all day (laughs) He did say Jiminy Jilliker so many times that it lost all so meaning. many times. It lost all meaning. Uh, but yeah, there was also reports that the script was being rewritten while they were filming, which I would believe based on what I saw. Um, and yeah, it's just like, uh, <laughs> this is my favorite part, by the way. Uh, this is all from the rap, by the way. There's a whole article that the rap did, yeah. like where they talked to people who worked on the film. But they said that one insider described a prolonged dispute over a surreal tree that figures prominently in the film. This is the tree from the the beginning, the the opening scene. Marshall wanted a realistic-looking, asymmetrical tree, but the insider said Levin overruled him, insisting on a symmetrical tree. Then, in post-production, the tree became asymmetrical again. (laughs) So they were fighting. Because, again... I reading this article, you had to remind me which tree made it in the movie. I honestly couldn't tell you because it here's the thing does not matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Pick one or the other. Both are valid choices. Yeah. Um, I will say one other weird incongruity of this movie. So um, there was like the pig fairy guy, Grograk or whatever his name was. No, who I thought looked great. Yeah, probably yes. Of all of the creatures, of all of in- the special effects in the movie, like yeah, he looked great. Yeah, there was like um, a Jim Henson. The Baba Yaga looked good because it was practical effect. It was like practical makeup. Yeah, uh, I was just like definitely like a Jim Henson creature quality to the the pig demon monster thing. Uh, 
But yeah, also, yeah, we put a pin in Twisty Troy James as Baba Yaga for, for Silver Linings because that dude's awesome and all yeah. that is cool. Also, I am glad that contractually it is understood that Ian McShane will only appear in movies. Like, you have to cast him if there's a Baba Yaga in your movie. It's the law. It's, it's the law. <laughs> <laughs> he he has exclusive rights to all Baba Yaga movies. I assume Baba I mean, Yaga thought, showed up in American Gods too. I don't. Yeah, oh, it's it's all Baba Yaga. I thought Baba Yaga got weirdly shoehorned into Deadwood. <laughs> like that was that was a weird episode. Yeah, but it it worked. He made it uh, work. The Lonely Island Project uh, <laughs> Hot Rod. Really weird that there was just this random Baba Yaga scene. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it, if you want McShane in your movie, you know that's that's in his what rider. A weird flex rider. <laughs> if I'm gonna do this movie, I've got to have a Baba Yaga. <laughs> I don't get out of Ian bed. McShane loves the Baba Yaga. Yeah, it, it's fun to say. I don't blame him. No, I, it, it, <laughs> and if you had like a great, just powerful voice like Ian McShane, like Baba Yaga, like it's like yeah. He has a great, he has an underrated great voice too. No, he does. That's why I said the opening narration, truly fantastic. Like, yeah. And he, he's really good casting for that father character. And yeah. Yeah. Like so I, was John Hurt in the original. Oh movies. yeah. But I'm saying if you're throwing it all out and you, you know, need a new, fo- like if you're trying to find someone who's going to be as good, I, out of everything in the movie, I did think he was as good, you know, in that role. Yeah, because um, like when you when they talk about like actors that have these really great voices and everything like that, you know, you get your James Earl Jones, Patrick Stewart, you know, the, a lot of the usual suspects. Uh, but I think Ian McShane deserves to be in that that list with everybody else. I think he has it's it's more sinister, which is kind of nice. Yeah, like it's it, there's like I thought he like um, I thought he was great casting in American Gods too is the role he's playing in that. Um, yeah, he got me but, to watch more of that show than I otherwise would have because I I love that. That's a different conversation. I love that novel. Did not love the yes. show, but that's fine. I like the first season. Me too. And I <laughs> watched more of the second season than I probably would have had Ian McShane not been cast. He's great casting. Yeah, but that's accurate. Same same yeah. as Um. <laughs> anyways, uh, so another thing I think that's important to talk about with this movie is the role of Ben Daimyo. Uh, who was played by Daniel Day Kim, is it? Yep. Uh, so here's an interesting bit of Hollywood anti-whitewashing or whatever. Uh, but Ed well, Scrain... Whitewashing and then fixing it. Yeah, Whitewashing and then fixing it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, and not the producers fixing it. The no. actor fixing it. No. Um, but Ed Scrain, who is probably at this point most famous for playing uh, Ajax in the Deadpool movie. Yep. I think I, I'm sure he's done other things. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they are either. So I'm with you. Um, but he got cast as Ben Daimyo. Uh, and unsurprisingly, because uh, the word Daimyo is uh, part of like the, the Japanese feudal hierarchy, is an Asian character in mm-hmm. the book. Um, and Ed Scrain got cast. And as soon as he found out a little bit of character research, he's like, yeah, I shouldn't do this part. Yep. Someone else should. And he quit. So... Another uh, exterior silver lining to Ed Screen for having some integrity. Yeah, no, for sure. Because that was 100% him. And and it's interesting because, like, that's a conversation that has become, you know, more 
in the mainstream lately with, you know, a lot of animated roles. People are talking about that. Like, people are starting to look at that kind of stuff. He did it well before, you know, like, you know, there was pressure, I would say, you know. Yeah, I I would agree with that. That This is before uh, Hank Azaria stepped down as a poo. Yeah. And any number of things. Yeah. It was it uh, was so, at a time when it was a bad look and there would have been some pushback, but he could have gotten away with it. I think is maybe the the best way to put that. Like, yeah, I think I think that's accurate. Um, but then you want to talk about some more terrible CGI. Ben <laughs> Daimyo turns into this jaguar thing. Um, they may as well have just used the jaguaro from the old '60s Scooby Doo show and just pasted that like roger rabbit style and it would have looked as good as the garbage that they put on screen i mean we talked about how disjointed the script was i thought it was weird when they went to that hallway with all the doors and they were just running back and forth back and forth yeah Yeah. that was a weird choice um (laughs) and then they unmasked mila jovovich and it was the owner of the old amusement park yeah just just strange um (laughs) oh scooby-doo anyways um but yeah, like the rest of the, uh, you know, eventually there's the big oh. fight. Well, I, oh. if we're, are we still talking about bad CGI? Oh yeah, let's keep doing it. I despised the effect that they did when uh, the they would bring back dead characters. The, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the one character's name. Who could she could speak to the dead people? It's uh, Alice. I want to say Monahan. That sounds so right. Yeah, but yeah, it's Alice. definitely Alice though. Alice, yeah, was she so she could commune with the dead, and they did this effect uh, to show the dead people that was really bad CGI that made them look like some kind of slug. I don't even know what they were going. It was for. like bad Cronenberg stuff. It was yeah, it was bad Cronenberg slug effect, and it I didn't like it the first time they did it. I thought it looked terrible, but then. Uh, I, I guess I'll keep this vague. I won't spoil it, but it they did it in a very important scene in the end with a very important character, and it, the scene should have had weight, and I just watched it the whole time and was like, this looks so bad, and I all I yeah. can look at is how bad this looks. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, you did this to yourselves. You could have just like filmed the person and like done an effect where they were kind of transparent or something, you know, like you, you way overthought Any this. Any number of ways of bringing ghosts back that have been done before. Yeah. Like a million times and better. I don't know why you thought this was the way to go, but it looked honestly, you know what it kind of looked like too? Speaking of Miljovovich, it looked like bad resident evil CGI from like an yeah. early resident evil video game. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was it was for no no reason, no aesthetic purposes. No, it, like, I don't think it, I would have liked it if it was done well, but it also wasn't done well. So it just that that was yeah, it was definitely a bummer. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I don't think it's spoilery to say that Hellboy wins. He beats the Blood Queen. Yeah, and then we get a couple of. Uh, Sequel teasers that we'll probably never see. Oh, man. Their optimism with the fact that they... Is it a silver lining to say that it really amused me that they seemed to think they were going to have multiple sequels? Because there is so much they're teasing. Yeah. And, and what is it? Is it two or three, like, credit scenes? There's... Well, there's, like... 
Well, there's the ending. You know what it is? There's the ending, and then there's two right. credit scenes. So there's three different beats of reveals teasing future stories. Right. Yeah. One involves Thomas Hayden Church, friend of the show, as Lobster Johnson. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church, who gets added to the scoreboard of, you know, actors who have come up in multiple films that we've done so far. So he's yeah. he's at two right now, but I he we could see him again. I, I, f- I have a feeling that he <laughs> he'll come back. Should we talk about any number? He's been in some some clunkers. Oh, anytime we want to do Spider Man three, he's right there. That's the big one. You know, that's <laughs> definitely on the list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, he his ghost shows up and talks to Hellboy. I don't know what that was. By the way, I I don't even and Hellboy fanboys out, which I kind of was that was fun for me. Yeah, I mean, oh Robert Johnson, that's so cool. Oh, yeah, and I mean, I sure I'd fanboy out if Thomas Hayden Church was like really going ham in a role and chewing up some scenery. I'd be excited yeah. about that. Um, but they tease Abe Sapien. I don't. It's not a spoiler. It's never going to happen. So they tease right. the character who's in. Uh, the the Hellboy's sort of sidekick, I guess, or his yeah. partner. Yeah. Uh, played to excellent effect by a combination of Doug Jones and David Hyde Pierce in the first Hellboy, and then to excellent effect by just Doug Jones in the second Hellboy. Yeah, which my understanding was that they, everyone involved in making the film, wanted it to be uh, Doug Jones voicing it originally, and I think he, I think it was kind of a Darth Vader situation where he recorded all the lines, and then someone, perhaps these producers who were arguing on the set of this movie, who did produce those movies, uh, brought in um, David Hyde Pierce, who did a great job, but they, they and refused credit. Yeah, but they he's brought not it, credited in the movie because he yeah, said the performance is Doug's. Yeah, which I is beautiful of him, and what a what a great guy. What a great guy that David yeah. Hyde Pierce. Super immensely talented. Uh, yeah. Too. Someone who possibly could never come up on the show. Oh, he could. Because there's a movie. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. But uh, Molly and I watched a movie with him where he was a serial killer that it, I wanted to like it so much. And it is not good. Fair enough. Yeah. I can't remember Fair the name enough. of it. And I'm not going to look it up. But Good. I don't want you to. <laughs> Um, um so yeah so then they tease uh ape sapien they discover mm-hmm. him in a like a mid-credit scene yep and then there's a post-credit scene where uh the bob baba yaga uh basically says send someone after hellboy to get because hellboy cut off baba yaga's eye so baba yaga wants to take out hellboy's eye in in retribution mm-hmm. and they tease another villain yeah but we don't see the villain we don't see the see the villain. Yeah. Um, but there is a character. I forget the, the first name, but it's someone, the undying. And the conventional wisdom is that that's who they were talking about. Yeah, because the Bob Yaga says something about like, I will let you die. I will let you die. So seems to be implying that it might be. There. Seems to be. Could be Merlin. It's possibly Merlin. Who also could be Merlin. <laughs> could be David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. Could be could, th- this franchise if they ever make another movie. Could be Ron Perlman. <laughs> oh, man. I would love it if it was just... <laughs> they make like the opening five minutes of the next movie and it's just the reverse angle of that shot and it's just Ron Perlman sitting there and being like, I'll get him. If they wanted to make a meta movie where Ron Perlman in no prosthetic makeup just was trying to destroy this Hellboy, I'd watch that. I would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. <laughs> 
That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, that's our second project. Because we're already going to do the um, Heart of Darkness-esque uh, documentary about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, you guys just dump money into our Kickstarter. We need this. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. just write those uh, checks. Get on our Patreon and, and, and give us some money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and, so, and then we're going to do the sequel to Hellboy, where it's just Ron Perlman trying to kill God, I want that movie to exist now. Oh also, my they God. would both make it 100%. Like, everything about David Harbour indicates that he would make that movie. Yeah. Neil Marshall probably won't be involved. No. Probably not. Um, the producers that, will, because they own the rights to Hellboy. So they would right, definitely so they'll, be involved. They'll be, so that's who we'll have to argue with. <laughs> yeah. But there's two of us and two of them. So Look, let's I'll just... It. I'll go on record right now and say whatever trees you guys want to do... I don't have tree feelings. You you put whatever trees you want in the movie. No I, I have, no issues here. <laughs> I have major tree feelings. Oh, uh, but I'll put them aside. Look to get at that this movie made. Look at that. <laughs> it's called compromise, folks. That's what makes the world go round. Oh man. Okay. So look forward to that. Uh, yeah, but we gotta. I mean, we already did Let's it, right? The, we already did I mean, silver we, linings. We're we're done, right? No, we're I mean, we're done. Let's let's. <laughs> Ian McShane. Let's see if there's and, anything we yeah. missed. Ian McShane, Mila Jovovich, both silver linings. Right yes. out the gate. Uh, the, the opening. The opening was great. Yeah. It, and, and the first scene is great. Um, and, I, I loved the Lucha Libre scene. No, um, it was really good. Like I said, it only it started to show the cracks because uh, the bad Hellboy makeup was in it. But tonally, if the whole movie had been that scene, I would have greatly enjoyed uh, yeah, what, what they were giving up. I will and say... Anu- oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I enjoyed David Harbour. I think he was good casting. I don't think yeah, that... Yeah, I think so too. I think that um, there was a lot of inconsistency in what he was asked to do, but I don't put that at his feet. Uh, I was going to point out another connection with some of the other movies that we've talked about uh, is that the luchador that uh, Hellboy fights with is named Kamazots, which was also the planet from Wrinkle in Time. There you go. Where they go at the end. So it's another weird bit of connection. Um, and then all, so this happens in the same universe. This happens in the Wrinkle, of time, Wrinkle in Time universe. Yeah. I Even think though Kamazots clear. is a bat god in the Mayan uh, polytheistic religion. But mm-hmm. yeah, maybe Aztec. Either way. Um, maybe that's who they were I, teasing. At the end, maybe maybe it was you know we never saw who it was. It could have been someone from that universe. You know, maybe it could have been Michael Pena. You don't know. I was thinking Reese Witherspoon. She's just showing up. She's quoting things. She's turned heel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but I, I really like that opening scene. I thought um, it was just fun and silly, and I like the slow reveal of that. Like, yeah, he was a vampire. But in this world, vampires are just giant bat demons. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I will. Can I? This is semi-related. I think this movie is good at needle drops. Like, I think it's, you know, because that is something that's come up on previous shows. I think the use of music to keep momentum was well done in this movie. Like, they often it did not deliver when <laughs> when the music kicked in. But there were a lot of scenes that ended up feeling more fun than they would have otherwise because they just started playing, you know, some good heavy metal or whatever they were playing, you know. Just... Oh, really? I hated that. Really? I hated it. 
I liked it just because I was. I felt like the movie really needed it, but like I don't know when the music kicked in and the giants are like beating the crap out of him or whatever, you know. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I I just it seemed so. It seemed like it should have been score and not soundtrack to me. I don't know. I I liked it. I I liked the. Uh, like they made a strong choice and it could have worked. I think if everything else, the movie was such a mess, but I, I think it gave it momentum that it definitely would not have otherwise had uh, because the story doesn't know where to go. I think it's, it was one of those things like when, when you think about a movie, like, and I think one of the best examples of this is guardians of the galaxy um, that so well blends soundtrack and score. Oh, and I'm not comparing it to that by any means, because that is a masterclass. In this movie, I don't even particularly like any of the music. I just think no. they used the music to give, like, like it worked as a score, I thought. I would say it didn't work for me, but, like, I think just because, like, it almost, like, tonally, it was just so... Even, like, from a music theory standpoint, like, it wasn't in the same... Like, it, it just, it was too jarring to me, I think, is what I didn't like See, I, I think that that, for me, I wanted the movie that the score was promising. Like, it, it... I'll agree with that. It evoked a more fun version of this film that I wanted to see. And I think that's why I enjoyed it, because... The fun that was promised in the opening. Yeah, and that's why I think I liked it, because the, the opening, I thought the music was used really well... And then it was like, when the music would come back, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this movie thought it was going to be fun. And then yeah, clearly it, it wasn't. wasn't but but I liked that promise. <sighs> I, I think I disliked that the promise wasn't fulfilled. That's, that's I, I I, 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 we might be saying the same thing, honestly. We don't, it we doesn't might, need to be a silver lining. Like, we yeah, can, but um, no, Ian McShane, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Harbour giving a good performance. Mila Jovovich. In bad makeup. Mila yeah. Jovovich. Uh, who cast her in more stuff what are you doing like the sad thing is if we wanted to she could be our easy leaderboard for this podcast because she's been in a lot of bad movies and i don't understand it because she is so ridiculously talented in those movies yeah she's it's unfair to say that she's the best part of everything she's in because she is she's done a lot of bad a lot of bad movies that have the word resident evil in the title Mm mm-hmm and Let I watched alone. more of those than I thought I would for some reason because she keeps making them more entertaining than they have any right to be. Yeah, no, she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, and uh, she's got charisma. She's got... It's amazing that like she can have something like The Fifth Element on her resume and then not have done anything else as close to as, as good since. Yeah, no, it's, it's a shame. And uh, yeah, like... I liked what they the movie in no way delivered on this, but the idea that they had uh, was a good one of her being like, I don't want to fight you, Hellboy. Like, I I think you're great. And I think these humans are the problem. And if you just realized, like, if you were your true self, you and I could be friends. Like, you know, that was a great idea that the movie did not know how to handle. Yeah. Um, another thing I don't think counts as a silver lining, because I'm not sure how I feel about it, was I felt like the gore in this was a little gratuitous. Yeah, I I mean, we could talk about the fact that this movie is R-rated, and I, it, 
I didn't I, need to be. Yeah, I I like R-rated movies. I think that there should be room for them. I think too often everything gets watered down. But if you're gonna make an R-rated movie, make an R-rated movie. Like this movie just felt like it thought like Deadpool should be rated R. I understand why Deadpool movies get rated R, but like this movie just felt like it wanted to be compared to Deadpool, but didn't actually have a good reason to have the R rating. Like, yeah. It, and like, this was a movie where I think they were constantly like winking at the camera and stuff. Oh yeah. Which I did not like, but you know, but, and not in like a fourth wall breaking way, but in just like a, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I didn't enjoy that. I did not. Enjoy no, I didn't that enjoy it either. Yeah. Um, but like when all the demons get released towards the end before inevitably getting sucked back and undoing all the carnage that they wrought mm-hmm. as, as happens too often in these superhero movies. Um, yeah, we need some, lo- we need some lower stakes superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, I mean, I guess I think that's right. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, like they had the one like giant skeleton demon that was like just like shish kebabbing people as he stepped mm-hmm. and like that, like in a different movie, like in a more like cabin in the woods type or something like that type of movie, I think that would have been great and I would have loved it. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, it just felt like. If this wasn't here, I wouldn't have noticed, wouldn't have cared, and wouldn't have thought that they should have had really gory people deaths. Yeah. Yep. Like, um, you can do comical gore uh, and have a career like Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's ways to do gore and be funny, and a lot of people have done it to really great effect. This is not that one of those movies at all also a sam uh, raimi hellboy movie would be fun yeah it would uh yeah. he would you know he'd probably be not concerned guillermo del toro's already done it and won't won't go back to it assumedly yeah um unless we get him to direct the ron paul ron perlman trying to kill <laughs> david harper hellboy. i mean that depends on how much you guys want to donate to our kickstarter so we can afford guillermo del toro <laughs> and if you want him to direct another best picture winning movie yeah if you want him to waste his time making this movie (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah no i I mean i think i think ian mcshane i think the opening scene i think Mila jovovich i'm gonna throw this out there you might disagree with me i'm gonna try not to spoil it but when he hellboy takes a hold of the sword at the end of the movie and gets a vision of the, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler of the apocalypse that he could bring about. Should he yeah. want to, I actually really liked how that looked like, I thought that was a really cool yeah, that looked moment. Really good. Yeah. That uh, was a good, they put a lot of their eggs in that basket when they probably could have half-assed that scene yeah, and, and put and, it elsewhere and, and put it, that money could have been spent elsewhere in the movie. Probably. But, it looked great. It looked cool. Yeah. yeah. The, the, um, the like tattered wing skeleton dragon he was flying on. And mm-hmm. yeah, that stuff it's, was cool. Man, if that was not a movie and just like a, you know, a, a big budget music video for something that I, I'd be into that song. 
if it was just uh, another installment of the heavy metal franchise. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, one other thing, I thought it was a cool idea, but again, wasn't executed well. Um, I liked the sort of like roughshod found art armor that the giants were wearing. Mm-hmm. That they were like I, wearing car doors and things like that. I like, kind of liked the cool. giants. Like, again, I don't think they were executed particularly well, but I enjoyed them aesthetically. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think we did it. I think. Yeah, I, think I don't think we're going to do better than that. I, th- I think, you no, know, this we, is. Yeah. Probably on the lower tier of the movies that we've looked at so far. Yeah, but man, I if you want to watch that first 10 minutes and then just flip that right off, I, I wouldn't begrudge you that. And then maybe you could skip all the way to the end and see the part where he takes the sword. Um, yeah. Because really nothing happens in the middle that has any bearing on the plot. And honestly, you're so... You know what? <laughs> Hold on. We're going to wrap it up right now. New idea, in addition to our other two projects, if we could get a fan edit going... You know, we always you know, they talk about like the Snyder cut. They talk about whatever the uh, <laughs> I want a cut of this movie. That's the opening that sets everything up. And then it's that first scene with Hellboy uh, fighting the, the wrestler vampire guy. And then we just cut right to the end. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm no expert with video editing software, but I feel like I could make that happen. <laughs> you just trash everything in between and you just watch the end and then cut out all the teasers of things that are never going to happen oh right because yeah oh. none of these movies are coming no, no. <laughs> never this yeah i also because we said it before but i don't want to miss it in the recap twisty troy james as uncredited yes. as baba yaga because they credit whoever does the voice but he is doing the physical performance he uh, because if the name Twisty didn't give it away, he has a long and great career in horror movies because he is, you know, hypermobile and yep. moves really fun. Yeah, and that's that's it. The the Baba Yaga doesn't look like it's a real character with how freaky the movements are, but that is how good of a hypermobile contortionist that Twisty Troy James is. Yeah, I just, yeah, do, search some some YouTube videos. On, I think he was on America's Got Talent, like, when I was looking at stuff on him. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so he, he's really fun. But yeah, I think we did it. Yeah, I think we did it. So, just... To wrap it up, <laughs> bring out the fan edit cut of Hellboy and donate to our Kickstarter to make the Ron Perlman meta Hellboy sequel. And no asymmetrical trees. Yes, asymmetrical trees. <laughs> Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 